As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The latest edition to hear that podcast ground is brought to you by Visa Network Working for Everyone. Paul Neer Jr. and Jay Morrison of The Athletic are here working for you on the walkout on a day where the Cincinnati Bengals beat the Denver Broncos at Denver 15-10 to in a game that was not aesthetically pleasing necessarily uh, unless you love 1950s football like the Los Angeles Dons if you love the Los Angeles Dons and the Dayton Triangles you probably loved today but or if you love the Cincinnati Bengals you love today because it didn't matter it didn't matter if it looked like the Dons or the Triangles or the greatest show on turf it mattered one thing W eight and six and now for the moment as we record in first place <laughs> In the AFC North and the fourth overall seed, Jay, what a what a game! I mean, just a, just a massive win for this team. There's no other way around it. We told you guys on Thursday that they these two teams play games full of absurdity, and we saw a lot of that again today. But it was it was it was a massive win because of where it positions them because. They're five and two on the road now. If they do end up with a road playoff game, they're I, I think they're gonna have all kinds of confidence going into that game. And maybe more than anything, it as bad and ugly as that first half was, it just it never in my mind felt like they're not gonna win this game. It it just felt even though it was ugly and it was three to three, and then they they get the long field to make it say it just they looked like the better team. And it it just it, it, maybe it's the pattern that we've seen develop over the last few weeks where you know they're going to turn it on in the second half it just it was just kind of a matter of when not if they were going to make a big play to kind of secure this win yeah I think you kind of felt like look the offense will eventually find itself for a, a drive or a play or two 
and the defense just looked like they were just not going to give, and Denver seemed to have no answers, which was pretty shocking. I mean, Denver is not a great offense, and Teddy Bridgewater is not Justin Herbert, uh, and all of those things can be true, but they still have scored enough points to win games, played pretty well, and been enough to complement what they have going on defensively. Um, but this was another case of the Bengals defense just throttling an offense that doesn't have quite the firepower to keep up. You know, we made a big deal the last few weeks about how are they going to do against these elite offenses, and they did okay. They they held their own enough. But these are the types of games that made you believe they would because they've been doing this all year to teams that don't quite have the firepower. And, you know, they they rushed up the middle. Zach Taylor gave game balls to all the defensive tackles, including Kareem, who we'll talk about in a second, um, and Evan McPherson, who we'll also talk about in a second. But here's here was my main takeaway on on the way this game unfolded, Jay, which was not pretty. Um, it had it was very Vegasy, right? I mean, it was mm-hmm. the same thing. They even used the same damn phrase about the the dam will eventually break. And it was like, oh, we're doing the damn we'll break again. We're doing we're back into the we're back into the Hoover Dam talk, right? Had my damn gifts ready. Uh but it was this was the Bengals had to play dirty in order to play clean. What have we talked about the last few weeks, Jay? This team has some core characteristics that is who they are. They are a team that is scrappy. They are a team that has a whole lot of fight and they are a team that does dumb stuff (laughs) in order to stop doing the dumb stuff. They kind of had to play this dirty conservative type of game where they lean heavy on their defense. They lean heavy on being safe on special teams and take points when they can get them. It's not the way that they're going to win every game, but it was the way they had to win this one. They could not make the dumb mistakes they have continually made and kill themselves, and partially because the way they opted to play this game, and it turned out they were able to do that. There were a couple that I remember. There was, well, there was the the huge pass to Chase for 45 yards. It was called back for a hold. There was a couple others where they, they made a play and they made a big mistake, and it's like, oh, you're you're only going to get so many of those plays and and they found a way to overcome them but but you're right that no turnovers um luckily overturned by review but they just they they avoided those those catastrophic ugly mistakes that have kind of characterized them and it was it, they did play dirty but it didn't look like they were uncomfortable even though that's not the way they were going to play a lot of games, it just looked like they settled in from the get-go. Like, okay, this is what this game's going to be. Let's go do it. I mean, I, I the fact that there's multiple ways that they can win and have one over the course of the year is a good thing as they go forward into a stretch where every week feels like a playoff game and potentially an actual playoff game. I, I'm with you, though. They do have a comfort in this style. They do ha- seem to embrace it. And it does fit them, I think. Um, you know, they're not always going to be able to win this way. I mean, at a certain point, you know, you need a team that is limited, like Teddy Bridgewater is a little limited, and uh, you know, all signs are. It sounds like he's he's doing okay in the hospital. It was an awful, scary scene. Hmm. Um, 
and Drew Locke is obviously limited, and, and you know that's all part of it. But also, it's just when their defense plays like that, it allows them to play that style that it does. It does seem to kind of fit them a little bit, um, and that's 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 a great thing. Is they look to try to figure out ways ways to win going forward. Well, if you're gonna play a game like that, you know what it's going to be. It's going to be low scoring, and it's going to be close. So why wouldn't you feel comfortable in a game like that, knowing that you're going to hand the ball to number nine at some point with the game on the line? I mean, that's that that should be their mo is to play that way, keep the game close, and let Joe Burrow take over late in the game and win the game because you have all the confidence in the world that he's going to be able to do that. And that was maybe the biggest drive of the day, um, maybe the biggest drive they've had in quite a while was. Oddly enough, the Broncos' only touchdown drive came after Teddy Bridgewater went out with that scary injury, and it was like it was. It almost looked like the Bengals were more shook than the Broncos were. The Broncos kind of just focused and said, "You know, let's go out and do this for Teddy," whereas the Bengals were just kind of on their heels. And the Broncos go down, they take the lead, and you're thinking, "Uh oh!" And two plays, a 12 yard run by Mixon, or maybe it was 14, and then the bomb to to. To Tyler Boyd, and it was just—it'd be one thing to answer a touchdown with a touchdown, but the way they did it, I, I think, was really, really telling of this team. And it—I it, mean, that set the stage. That's that was the winning, the winning touchdown. I mean, that was the those were the winning points. And you know, Burrow had a number of games. He talked about it afterwards. He's like, you know, I'm not every week am I going to be throwing for 300 yards. You know, I, I've got, I, I've got to understand that they're a great defense. They've invested in their secondary and their linebackers. And, and, and I've got to know when not to take the shots. And Zach Taylor praised him again for not taking the shots, for scrambling when he had to, for throwing it out of bounds or just sliding down inbounds for what was a sack. I mean, you know, because it was about time and timeouts and under and, and understanding the game management. And that it's it's really an underrated part of Burrow's game is his willingness to do that and his execution of doing that and understanding that pushing the ball like they did against Chicago and getting panicky with a defense that plays you like this is what will kill you. And Zach referenced that specifically, that game of we panicked against this type of team in the past, and you just can't panic of the fact that you're not moving the ball and not getting the big plays that you want. They feed off that. They live off that. Justin Simmons, their safety after the game, said, this game for me was takeaways. You guys can say what you want, but we didn't get any takeaways. Finding a way to give our offense a short field. The Bengals realize that that is the way that Den- that is what Denver feeds off of. That's who they are. That's how their defense has created wins for them. They could not panic and take that bait, and so often they didn't. But yet, at some points, they needed Burrow to make a throw and to make a play, and he did. He when he had those opportunities, he did. They all came to Tyler Boyd, Jay. Yes, over and over, and it was funny that the the one that really kind of stands out in my mind was the one. They they Denver missed the field goal right before halftime, and I even tweeted it. The Bengals have nine seconds for number nine to kneel down, and we're going to go to halftime. <laughs> and they don't do that. They they hit Tyler Boyd over the middle for a slant for seventeen to get to the forty, and they send Evan McPherson out there to try a fifty-eight yard field goal, a distance that no Bengals kicker in history has made. And he he knocks it through, and it's six to three, and it just totally changed the momentum. At halftime, and then they come out their first drive of the second half. They answer the Denver score with a big touchdown pass to Boyd. Um, it, it, 
boy that he went to Boyd on the two point conversion, which didn't happen, but it was just it seemed like over and over in the big spots it was Tyler Boyd. And it, you know, I asked him about it. You know, it, did it feel like this was a long time coming? Because Chase comes out and sets the league on fire the first seven games, and then the last three it's been Higgins. And Boyd has had his moments, but he hasn't had a game where he was the guy. And today he was the guy. And I, he, he did. He said, yes, it's been a long time coming and he wasn't upset. He wasn't impatient. He knew it was eventually going to come. Um, and it's just, it's another great sign for, for fans to know that we talked about it all off season that this three headed monster and we've seen kind of a two and a half headed monster. And after today, it, it does feel like it's, it's there. The three headed monster is there. That you're exactly right. It's, it's, it's a pick your point. Everybody has their day. You know, and I mean, the third and 10 or whatever it was, eight throw where Burrow gets blasted there in the fourth quarter and hits hits Boyd deep over the middle is the throw of the game. It's the throw of the game. It's the offensive. You tell me all you want to about the touchdown, and that's great, but that was a play call that they've been sitting on all week, the leak play that they've been waiting to do, and, and they set it up perfectly with the run and Boyd's wide open. He beats the safety, and that's a big deal, and, and all that's great. Like That's huge. But the degree of difficulty and what's on the line of a short field they could have had, of the time you were able to run off the clock, of everything that came from that throw, which is just such a tough throw. <laughs> He's just getting blasted. And that's a deep ball to Boyd who makes the play for you. It it sets you up to finish him off the way that they did. Um, and that's where you you tip your hat to Joe Burrow is you didn't ask him to do a ton of plays today. You leaned heavy on your defense and your defense made the plays and special teams made the plays. Um, it was a defense and special teams game, but when, when man, when you have a quarterback that can do that when called upon, when you can just you can rely on that and, and receivers that can make those plays, you know it's part of what makes the Bengals dangerous and part of what makes them eight and six. Yeah, you mentioned Burrow taking that hit and. I even I tweeted it at one point where it, he I said he was holding the ball way too long today and he did in some situations but it after the game I kind of changed my tune on that it, it was really he did take off a couple times and, and scramble and get first downs but he just even with Adenogy out in Jackson Carmen in there and with Fred Johnson in there for Riley Reef he just had this this calmness and this patience in the pocket where there was so many times in the past you would have seen him pull the ball down and take off. And he stood in there and waited and waited and waited till the very last second to throw the ball. And I just think that's an, a, kind of another step in his growth because you would think he would be antsy with two backup, a backup backup tackle and a backup guard. And, and it was the opposite. He just, he hung in there and, it resulted in a coverage sack a time or two, but it it was it really felt like kind of a, a next step forward. Not that he's got a lot to, lot more to make, but um, I, I, that that was something that's like a very subtle thing that kind of impressed me. Kind of frustrated me at first because of the way I tweeted it early, but it did after I thought it thought about it and looked at it as a whole. It was a pretty impressive performance to hang in there against that defense, against that secondary, and and wait till the last second to make a throw. And I don't know what Vic Fangio was trying to accomplish before halftime. The drive was weird. 
it had no urgency. I was, it, no. it reminded me of the old Marvin before halftime exactly. drives where it's like, I don't know what they're trying to accomplish. Are they trying to waste time? Are they trying to score? Why? It just seemed confused. And it ended in, because of that, with the nine seconds, you know, Brandon McManus 51 yard field goal. You know, just a very odd, he misses that, and then they leave it wide open. I mean, if you looked at their their coverage on the next play, it was almost like they were playing for Hail Mary and left the 19-yard completion for the taking. And, you know, it was really bizarre. And then, because then you just go down and call timeout. It was like they didn't know the Bengals had timeouts, didn't know they might be trying to kick a 58-yard field goal, and that's difference in the game. It's a five-point game. It's a six-point swing. Field goal to field goal, you know? And part of, that, part of that is on missing the field goal by McManus, but, mm-hmm. I mean, what a massive swing. It did. It was a really curious drive because they – it almost was like they knew the Bengals were – or the, the Bengals were going to get the ball first in the second half, and they were just trying to make sure that they, they weren't going to give the Bengals enough time to do the double up. It, it, it just there was there was no urgency to it, and I, I mean they did them a favor. They they did the Bengals a few favors today, and you you need a favor or two in a, in a game like this to to pull out the win. But it it was the complete opposite of what you would have expected from a Zach Taylor offense in that two minute drill. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on Direct TV. Terms and restrictions apply. And then you've got Evan McPherson, who who I'm <laughs> thankful. We're are we, hopefully nobody else is still calling him Money Mac. I want to be done with it. Sounds like he wants to be done with it. That's good. You know, he said team, we can. We can't. Well, that's fine. He doesn't I'm, want. He doesn't want. His, he doesn't want anybody in the building calling him that. But he's fine if the media call him that. I'm. I'm not. You know, I'm <laughs> Team Skinny Evan because he's everything that Randy Bullock was not, and and I. I I'm Team Skinny Evan, who who went out there and did it again. I mean, he now has nine. He's nine of ten. He has nine field goals of 50-plus on the year, which is only one shy of the most by a rookie. Blair Walsh in 2012 had that. I mean, the he's such a weapon. He's such a weapon. And he's the reason you win today. And, you know, he's been the reason they've won a lot of days. Uh, and you know, 
the, <laughs> having a kicker like that just changes everything for you in, the, in that you can play this kind of a game. Zach Taylor not concerned at all about a spoiler alert because he said his 11-year-old son asked for an Evan McPherson jersey for Christmas. Um, <laughs> so he, that, he said that, that says something when your, your kid is asking for a jersey of the kicker. That shows what kind of weapon he is. And, and he is. I mean, it's, you mentioned it, 9 of 10, and the one miss was the, the wind, the one that looked like it was going in against Green Bay, and the wind blew it. And I, I'll be interesting to know the record is 10 for a rookie, but the record can't be much more for that than, than a veteran. I mean, you just don't see guys, maybe I'm sure it's probably belongs to Justin Tucker. I don't know what it is. I'll look it up, but just to, to know that, and it's, this wasn't about the altitude. It it feels like he could make a 58 yarder anywhere. And Mm -hmm. he just got the opportunity here because of the way that half played out. And, I mean, that's huge if, if they're going to play these dirty games, if they're going to play shootouts. If, as long as the game's close and you've got that guy kicking the ball, you have to feel really good about your chances. Yeah. Um, a few other – I mean, I want to set the scene for where we go from here. Um, but first, I, I want to mention a couple of players real quick. Khalid Kareem Man. Played, played 13 snaps today, <laughs> and he had a pressure – a tackle for loss, and maybe the biggest turnover of the season and one of those absurd plays that only seem to happen in Bengals-Broncos games Uh, where he, thankfully for the Bengals, was touched by Drew Locke after he had taken the ball from him somehow and (laughs) goes down before he runs about another 30 yards and, and fumbles because he got hit helmet to helmet. Uh. Just a crazy play, but what a game changer. That's the game. Again, that's the game. I mean, Denver's, are they pushing that in? I don't know. Maybe, probably. It changes the entire dynamic at the very least. Um, Just a a guy who's battled injuries all year. We've hardly seen him. He's been in and out of being up and down and and finally kind of gets a chance to play a small role today with his 13 snaps. And man, did he make the most of them. And what a huge depth piece that could be for them if he, that play was the last one that he was out there for and we got hurt on. But what a huge addition that would be for a team that really has needed that third edge all year and now could have that um, going down the stretch. Yeah, and the, that was one of the things when they hit that touchdown pass to Boyd, it was – it was a game changer, obviously, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, uh-oh, because the defense just went through the whole mental thing of watching Teddy Bridgewater get hurt and and giving up a 75-yard touchdown drive, and as great as it is when your offense scores fast, you're still tired, and you have to go right back out there, and the Broncos, who hadn't moved the ball all day, get down into the red zone in 10 plays. Not the red zone. They, they had first and goal, and you're right. For Kareem to make that play, I mean, I'm. It feels like if he doesn't make that play, the obviously the worst they get is a field goal. But it feels like the Broncos are going to punch that in and go right back in front with a touchdown. And it, it was, it was, it was a remarkable play. And it's you, you could tell how I asked Larry how happy he is for a guy like Khalid who's been trying all year to get on the field, and he he did. He was genuinely happy for him. That and I'm sure he's happy for himself too because you're right that that is just another piece they they relied so much 
on on Hendrickson and Hubbard. And if if you can bring in a Kareem and and give him maybe a little more than thirteen plays, give him a few series in a game. That that's going to be a big difference maker as we head down the stretch, and these guys are battling year a year long worth of fatigue. You you need they've needed that extra edge pressure, and just huge for Kareem to step up today and, and a, a good sign going forward. Yeah, uh, I also want to mention Jermaine Pratt, um, yeah. who has a massive game uh, where they had a lot on him. You know, no Logan Wilson. They've been rotating these backup to the backup linebackers through as Joe Bocci goes down again today. Marcus Bailey was in there, just barely up from injury. And you've got these two great running backs that Denver relies so much on. And Jermaine Pratt was filling the gaps, man, and making plays. And we've criticized him a lot. Um in this space over the last couple of years because he hasn't quite been good enough. Um, but he has this season, he has really started to take big steps. And I thought this was maybe his signature game. Yeah. 15 tackles. No one else had more than six. Plus he had a half a sack. I mean, it was, it was a big, the only negative play I can remember from him is he got stuck in coverage um, and, and got beat on a, on a, a one of the longer passes that, the, the the Broncos had um, it was it wasn't to fan it was to the other tight end um, but there was one play where he got pair, matched up on Tim Patrick a wide receiver and he ended up I, I don't know if they counted as a drop or if they gave him a PBU but it was he was down the field and he didn't have great coverage but he he recovered well enough to knock the ball out and then like you said what he did against the run was just Really good. The Broncos, 133 yards. That looks like a lot, but they ran it 34 times. And the Bengals didn't give the longest run they gave up all day was 14. Wow. Um, let me ask you this, Jake, because we haven't talked about this. Um, two minute warning. Uh, Denver's out of timeouts. Bengals have the ball, third and eight at their own 39. If you weren't thinking about last week, right there (laughs) chance to win the game Bengals convert a first down there and it's literally over it's knees right it's victory formation if they don't they would give the Broncos a minute and some change um, to have to go the length of the field for a touchdown do you give Joe Burrow a chance to finish them off uh, that they went out and they called timeout to see what Denver was in, even, um, or tried to I guess tried to get them to draw off sides to get it closer, and eventually handed it off to uh, Samaj P. Ryan for three yards and kicked it, and Denver ended up taking over uh, with 104 left on their own 25, needing to go the length of the field. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the decision. I still don't. I mean, I get it. Right, like you're de- you're leaning on the defense today. You feel like your defense is dominating. Can Drew Locke really take a team the length of the field in the last minute against the way your defense has been playing? Probably. I mean, that's I get the bet, and it obviously played out that way. Well, it, it was proven correct. I still think you give Burrow a chance to win the game, and I still feel like there seems to be that reluctance there. I, I mean, I get it. I, I get everything that we just talked about about how they won this game. I still am kind of surprised you didn't give Burrow a chance to throw one and try to win it. 
that was the exact debate that Jeff Hobson and I had. We we were standing ready to go down. It's 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 forever to get down to the the press conferences here. So we we had to leave before the game was over, and we we're waiting for that play. And they call the timeout. And I think the reason they called that timeout is that the play clock was running down. And I'm sure they wanted to see what they were in too. But they came back with the exact same play, the same formation. Drew Sample to the right goes in motion to the left, and and we were talking about that. Do you run it? Do you pass it? And and I said, if it was me, I throw a high percentage pass, like a, an easy slant over the middle where maybe the guy needs to break one tackle and he gets the first down. If he doesn't break the tackle, the clock's still running. Um, so I, I was surprised. It was almost kind of the same but different of the the hardball going for two instead of kicking the extra point, you know, going for the win as opposed to settling for the tie. This was that felt like a settle. To, to run the ball there, but they knew that they could burn another 40 seconds and Denver hadn't really done much. And it was, it was betting on the defense and they came through. They, they had some big, big plays to push Denver back even further. That, that may have even ended up being a, I can't know because we were walking down. I didn't actually see that drive other than watching it on my phone. I, I don't even think they gained positive yards on that drive. No, yeah, I mean the sack, the sack, and then yeah. you had all the madness of the the very end with the yeah. I mean, there it was just once once the sack happened, it was over. I mean, you end up in third and twenty nine with the holding call too. I mean, it was disaster for them. But I mean, in and of itself, first and ten from the twenty five, it's not an impossible task for them to go the length mm-hmm. of the field. Um, I mean, I just it's hard not to harken back to what you saw the forty ers do. Uh, the previous week, but now they and they granted they weren't trying to get a touchdown, and that does change thing, the equation too for you. I get it, like I totally get it, and I and and you know they Zach Taylor stuck to his guns on how he was going to play this game, and he and he was going to make sure it was backed up by the way his defense had been playing all game, and I get that. Um, he, he played it that way, and that was the way to win. And it, it ended up being the way to win, and that path was successful. Either way, you're in a pretty high probability there. I just, you know, it's another one of those of, oh, man, are, is, are we going to go through another week of that storyline <laughs> of not trusting Joe Burrow to go finish a game if the defense let him down in that spot? And then if you're not, the, if you are not thinking about the Brandon Stokely play, <laughs> I, it was uncanny. It's fourth and 24 with nine seconds from their own 11. I mean, I am like, how could it possibly? I might have to go back and look up the exact logistics of that situation, like to the yard line and the time. I mean, it uh, it was eerie. And I was just like, I'm not going to tweet this until this game's <laughs> over because I don't want to send people into like a Twitter spasm. But it, it was un canny how much i was like oh they of course just throw it deep down the left sideline and see what happens if you're the broncos right that's the play (laughs) they did not um so it sets up a situation now that is somehow an even bigger mess uh than it was before the day started in the afc the bengals are now the fourth seed but that can change obviously with if cleveland wins tomorrow cleveland would flip up to the north. Would they flip up to the number one? I don't think they would because it would be a three-way tie, and the Bengals have the best division record. The Bengals are three and one. Baltimore okay. one and three, and Cleveland would be three and two. So the Bengals would stay in. You first. end up in a possible three. So much is going to come down to next Sunday. I mean, huge, yeah. just massive on all levels. Next Sunday against Baltimore, we knew it would be. 
this win sets that up for them to essentially eliminate the Ravens. That mm-hmm. you you win next week, you now have a game and a tiebreaker. You have a game and a half on the Ravens with two to go. It's over, and the Ravens have to play the Rams, right? And mm-hmm. so, um, although Tyler Huntley's pretty good, Pierce, uh, he played pretty well today for for them. They almost end up, of course, only playing miracle fashion games against the the Packers, and they lose uh, on the going for a two point conversion again. I'm not going to talk analytics here right now with people yeah. who just try to try to track down how the AFC looks. Here's the thing, though: the Bengals lose this game. This is how huge this is. They're, they're the, currently the fourth seed. If the Bengals lost this game, they would be where Denver is. Twelve. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the difference. Seven and seven and eight and six goes all the way from twelve to four. It's absurd. It changes so much, but that's how important this win was. It was just so big to set yourself up. And now you end up, it goes through the north. Now it goes through the north. You know, win on Sunday, and you've got it all right there for you. You would have secured a winning record. You'd have gotten to that nine wins we've talked a lot about. You'd have put the Ravens out of their misery, and you'd have all eyes on week 18 against Cleveland and not have to worry so much about that. You, you get a, a a bit of a game where it's 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 not a huge deal if you lose against Kansas City. Yeah, because, I mean, Kansas City is the number one seed right now, and depending on what happens next week, they could have a two-game lead for that number one seed. And not that they would rest starters, but no. it, it, they, they won't be in the urgent situation that they could be. So – it, uh, it, I mean, it, it is. It's you say the 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 AFC North. It even though the Bengals play that last game in Cleveland right now, the AFC North goes through Cincinnati. It does Sunday because that's where Baltimore has to come, and they've yeah. got to prove that they can beat this team um, who took it to them way back in Week Seven. What was kind of the signature win of the season um, at one point now comes back around at Paul Brown Stadium and this team needs to find a way to handle success to play the same focused brand of football they have on the road at home uh, and and do it in a massive spot. This is the type of game you wanted to be playing before this season started. You wanted this game to matter. You wanted this game to be for the division and the playoffs and have everything on the line. And you got that. And you got a healthy Joe Burrow. And so, uh, so many things that you talked about, best case scenario for this season before it started, will be on display Sunday against Baltimore. This is your this is your chance to go prove it. And this team now has put itself in position to go do that in a division they feel like they kind of built themselves to to compete in and have done very well outside of that one Browns game, obviously, have done very well to this point. Can they do the same thing to the Ravens in game two they did to the Steelers in game two, Jay? Continue to 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 have game one translate to game two. That'll be very curious. Yeah, I mean, some some Ravens went on the – Jimmy Smith went on the, the COVID list today, so he could possibly miss that game. That's that's the one big worry I think because all these other teams have had their COVID issues and those guys are going to be fine now for the rest of the season. The Bengals haven't. Cheeto's the only one, 
And so hopefully Zach is telling these guys they've been so good about it so far. I think if you're a Bengals fan, that's the one thing that scares you right now is because you you see it can happen to any team. It just takes one or two guys to get it, and it spreads like crazy. I I, I don't imagine these guys are going to be going out to eat or going out, period, this week, knowing how huge this game is against Baltimore. The good news is the NFL is like, nah, yeah. I'm, we're done with it. We're kind of yeah, done we're with not this test whole anybody. thing. Yeah, we're we're not. Gonna, we're going to call it targeted testing, aka uh, that's enough of you messing with my money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're going to kind of stop doing all this testing stuff. Targeted testing. If somebody claims that they're sick, we'll start testing them. But other than that, we're done seeing you take our quarterbacks out of games that matter for TV money. Okay, <laughs> so the NFL is just going to power through this son of a gun. Uh, hey, cool. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. whatever. Like, uh, it's, it's it's been such a William J. Nilly situation uh, <laughs> with this uh, with this season of trying of making it up as they go along. Like, I, it's hard to even follow anymore. And I players are frustrated by it, and everybody is. Everybody just trying to. Everybody everywhere is frustrated with this and just trying to figure out their way through. And this is what the latest one's going to be. And for the sake of football, it you know. You have less worries as far as that goes, and hopefully everybody continues to stay healthy from this thing. But outside of that, Bengals go into Sunday feeling good. Big game at Paul Brown. Big two games at Paul Brown Stadium here over the next couple of weeks. Uh, and the Bengals will try to uh, play some more clean football going forward. I don't. It might not be 15-10 to 10 against the Ravens next week, but uh, they, they proved again that they can win that way. Uh, big day for the Bengals uh, tomorrow. Big reaction uh, from you guys. So at noon, we're going to do the live room again. Uh, I'll be there with you. Um, Jay, you're probably going to be, you might be, you're probably going to be airborne, right? You're going to be. I, I will be airborne. My flight leaves at uh, 9.30 Denver time, so 11.30 Cincinnati. Time. Okay. You'll be, you'll be in the air, but I will be on the line with you guys. So live room noon. If you, you came over last week and did, you know, just go to the app, hop on. And uh, if you're a subscriber, you can ask questions. If you'd like to subscribe, just go to theathletic.com slash hear that podcast ground and you can subscribe. Um, and I'll, I'll answer your questions. We went for about 40 minutes last week and there was a bunch of questions I couldn't get to uh, from all you guys that wanted to ask. I'm going to try to get some more this week. Uh, and so we'll, we'll talk about this game, talk about where we're at, talk about the season, all that stuff. And then it'll post up as a podcast afterwards for everybody to listen to later in the day. So come on over. Monday. Noon, just come over to the athletic app and I'll tweet it out. We'll tweet out the link to it noon too. So look out for that. All right. Thanks everybody for uh, listening to the podcast. Hope you had a good one. And uh, we will talk to you tomorrow. Good night, everybody.